0: Uh, Well, if you have your Bible with you, please open up to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts, chapter 20, as we continue on this morning in our verse-by-verse study through the New Testament book of Acts. And this morning, we pick up uh, midway through uh, chapter 20, actually halfway through a message that the Apostle Paul was giving to a group of church leaders from the city of Ephesus. Uh, Now, I'll tell you right from the outset here that this is something of a challenging passage before us. You know, as we work through books of the Bible, uh, there are some passages that are kind of easy uh, for us to consider and and that we enjoy uh, doing so. But then there are other passages in scripture that we come to that are maybe a bit more difficult uh, and a bit more challenging. Uh, And they they confront us and challenge us in certain areas of our lives. And maybe we're not so comfortable with that. Uh, But, of course, it's all the word of God and it's all important and it's all necessary for us. Uh, And so as we work our way through the scriptures, we uh, come through the easy passages and we come to the hard passages. uh, And we we take it all because it's all God's word and it's all important and necessary for us as believers uh, and as a church. Uh, But a word of encouragement for you, uh, and that is that this passage before us is especially challenging for me, perhaps more so than anybody else uh, here this morning, because this is a message from the Apostle Paul directed specifically toward church leaders. Now, leadership in the Church of Jesus Christ is something that is very important indeed, uh, God, in his eternal wisdom, has determined that his church, that his people, need spiritual leaders in order that God's will and purpose for his church may be fulfilled. Uh, and as such, church leadership is a very sobering and very serious task uh, indeed, and the Lord has given us much instruction in his word concerning the subject of church leadership, uh, notably the character of those Uh, who would be church leaders, and the task that God has given them to do in the church. Uh, And so whether you're a leader in the church, uh, whether you aspire to be uh, a leader in the church or not, uh, it is vital that we all, as believers in Jesus Christ, uh, have a good and biblical understanding of the ministry of church leadership uh, within the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, And so that is exactly what Paul is addressing uh, here in Acts chapter 20. Now, Uh, we pick up the text with the Apostle Paul uh, in the city of Miletus. He's coming to the end of his third missionary journey. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. uh, And he stops off in this city of Miletus, uh, some 30 miles south of the city of Ephesus. Now, Paul had spent at least two up to three years ministering in the city of Ephesus. Uh, We've seen that in the previous chapters we studied. He preached the gospel. Uh, The word of the law grew mightily there and prevailed. Many people uh, were saved. Uh, The idol makers were going out of business because so many people stopped worshiping the goddess Diana and started worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And the Lord did a great work there. And Paul spent uh, over two years teaching the believers uh, there in the school of Tyrannus in Ephesus. Uh, And Paul had subsequently left Ephesus. He'd visited the churches in Macedonia and in Greece. Now he stopped off at Miletus. And because he was only 30 miles south of Ephesus, he had something burning on his heart that he needed to say to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And so he called uh, for the elders of the church in Ephesus to come and be with him in Miletus so that he could uh, speak to them uh, this message that was burning uh, on his heart uh, and these leaders uh, in the church in Ephesus they knew Paul very well Paul knew them very well it's very likely that they were saved under his ministry that they were discipled by Paul and so there was a, a real uh, bond uh, a real bond of love between them uh, and so the uh, the leaders they walk the 30 miles south to the city of Miletus and Paul begins uh, to give his message to them now last week we looked at the first part uh, of his message in verses 18 through 24 uh, and so we pick it up in verse 25 and just to point out verse 25 Paul said to them indeed now i know that you all that you all among whom i have gone preaching the kingdom of god will see my face no more. And so, I know you all. You all know me, Paul said. Uh, we have ministered together. I have ministered to you for years. But now I know I am leaving and I'm not going to see you again. You're not going to see me again. I'm not going to see you again. Uh, there was no uh, sort of telephones in those days, no internet, no those kinds of things. Paul was leaving And he wasn't going back. And so this is quite an emotional uh, period of time. This is an emotional meeting. This is quite an intense uh, meeting. And he begins then in verse 26 by saying, Therefore, I'm not going to see you again. Therefore, I have something extremely important to communicate to you. And this is what it is. And so we'll pick up our reading in verse uh, 26, Acts chapter Uh, 20 beginning in verse 26 and we'll read down to verse 38 uh, for our study today so acts chapter 20 beginning in verse 26 therefore i testify to you this day that i am innocent of the blood of all men for i have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of god therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by labouring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more and they accompanied him to the ship. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word uh, is truth, that it is living, that it is powerful, that it has the ability to change and to transform our hearts and our lives. And so, Father, we ask this morning now as we feed on the pure milk of your word, that you by your Holy Spirit would open our hearts, that you would grant us understanding, Lord, you would give us those ears that we need to hear what your spirit would have to say to us today. And Father, I pray that uh, all of us would be challenged by your word this morning. Lord, that we would be challenged, Lord, toward the lives that you have called us to live. To live lives that are honoring to you. To live lives that are a witness to the world around us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would do a great and a mighty work in each and every one of our hearts this morning through your word, and by your spirit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so here in our text, as Paul gives his final words uh, to the elders from the church in Ephesus, we see that Paul exhorts them uh, toward four priorities in their ministry. Uh, But before he gets to the exhortations, beginning in verse twenty. Eight, he says something very important very interesting uh, in verses 26 and 27 notice what he says therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God and so Paul stands up before them as if being a, a witness In a court of law, testifying, saying, I testify before you that I am innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, he's saying, My conscience is perfectly clear before God, and I am leaving you now with a clear conscience before God. Why? Verse 27 Because Paul had not shunned to declare to them the whole counsel of God couple of quick points here. Firstly, regarding the importance of a clear conscience before God. Paul could stand before these men and declare that his conscience was clear. That is not to say Paul was perfect. It's not to say that he never made any mistakes or that he never sinned. But Paul could stand before them with a clear conscience because he had done all that God had called him to do. And a clear conscience before God is vitally important in the Christian life. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 10 said this, beginning in verse 19. He said, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, down in verse 22 he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, And our bodies washed with pure water. What the writer to the Hebrews is saying there is that we can all have a clear conscience before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses us from all sin. And so in the first point, in the first part, this speaks of salvation. Every man is a sinner before a holy God. Man cannot by himself stand with a clear conscience before God on account of his sin. But Jesus Christ came into this world to die for our sins. So that through faith in him and his death on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, we might, be received, we might receive forgiveness of our sins that our sins may be cleansed by the blood of Christ. Christ having taken our sins upon himself when he died on the cross. And so through faith in Christ and what the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we can be cleansed of all our sins and stand before God with a clear conscience. But then it is important that as we live and learn and grow in the Christian life, that we walk day by day with a clear conscience before God. Because we all still walk around with a sin nature. We all are still capable of sin and we all sin each and every day. And so how can we who sin walk day by day with a clear conscience before God? Well, the answer is simple. 1 John 1.9 tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you see, this is one one reason why it's so, so important. You know, that in the power of the Spirit, we do not give in to temptation to sin, that we might maintain a clear conscience before God. Now, it is quite possible for us to struggle in the Christian life. And oftentimes we look at our circumstances. Uh, My circumstances are hard. My circumstances are bad. Uh, and sometimes we go through difficult times, and it can make life hard. But sometimes the real root of our struggles is not our circumstances, but it's our heart before God. One of the hardest things to recognize is and accept and acknowledge is the fact that we don't have a clear conscience before God. Because of something we're doing, something we're engaged in. Something we've done and ignored for years. And we're struggling and we blame our circumstances and we blame other people and all these things. But the real problem is in my heart before the Lord. And what I really need to do is face up to it. Acknowledge it before God. Confess it. Because then God will forgive. Then God will cleanse. Then that guilt will be removed and taken away. And I tell you what, life is hard enough without carrying around the weight of sin with us. We don't need that extra weight. We need to be free from that in order to effectively minister, effectively serve the Lord, effectively be a witness for him. And God has made provision for that in the blood of Christ. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is absolutely true. Absolutely true. So the importance of a clear conscience before God. Secondly, we see in verse 27, the importance of declaring the whole counsel of God. Paul could stand before them with a clear conscience because he knew that he had taught them the whole counsel of God. Now back in chapter 19, we're told that Paul spent more than two years teaching daily in the school of Tyrannus. Sort of like the Bible college of the Apostle Paul. Daily, every day for two years. That's a lot of time. They wouldn't have taught on on the Sabbath, would have rested on the Sabbath, but six days a week, probably for three, four, maybe five hours a day. For two years, that's a long time. That's a lot of hour. That actually adds up to thousands of hours of teaching. And during that time, Paul declared to them the whole counsel of God. Now, it's interesting to me that he spent so long teaching. And you think, well, what exactly was he teaching them? Well, the word counsel uh, means literally, your, your tribe translation, got a different translation to mine, might translate it purpose, the whole purpose of God. Uh, and it speaks of the word, the plan and purpose of God. So Paul declared to them the whole plan and purpose of God. And that is the theme of the Bible. The Bible is all about the plan and the purpose of God. God's plan of redemption for this world. Accomplishing God's purpose of salvation and reconciliation and restoration and renewal in Christ. And that plan and purpose begins all the way back in the book of Genesis with the creation of all things and then the subsequent fall of mankind. And that plan unfolds through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, the books of the law, into the books of history, into the books of poetry, uh, in and through the prophets, all the way to the Gospels in the New Testament. Because the whole Old Testament is pointing forward to the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose in and through his promised Savior, his promised Messiah, Jesus. And the Gospels are all about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his teachings. The Gospels record the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. His resurrection and victory over sin and his ascension to heaven. The book of Acts records the sending out of the apostles to preach the good news of gospel to the world. And then the epistles record the teaching of the apostles to the church concerning the teaching that Jesus had given them. And the book of Revelation reveals the consummation of all things. And so we have the whole plan and purpose of God unfolding from Genesis Genesis. To revelation through the nation of Israel, through the church, the future of God's purpose for Israel and the ultimate millennial kingdom and the consummation of all things. Uh, And so I'm I'm convinced that Paul took the Ephesians through the whole purpose and plan of God throughout the whole Old Testament at that point. Remember at this point most of the New Testament uh, hadn't been written or it was being written at this very point. And this is so important, especially in the days in which we live. Uh, And this is one reason why uh, we teach verse by verse through whole books of the Bible. Uh, And I think we've, over the last sort of 10, 15 years, we've covered pretty much every single book of the Bible between our midweek and, and Sunday mornings and different things that we've done. Uh, And it's so, so important because it is all important. It is all vital. It is all part of God's word. Uh, And while there is good, solid, what we would refer to as expository Bible teaching around today, and the wonders of internet gives us access to a lot of good teaching as well, many churches in our nation today have turned away from the authority of Scripture in the life of the church. And that's no surprise. In fact, it would have been no surprise to the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul said that that very thing would happen in his letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let me read to you the first five verses of 2 Timothy chapter 4, the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. He said, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Timothy, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." And the fact of the matter is, is there are many people today who do not want to hear the truth of God's word for a whole variety of reasons. They want the preacher to tell them what they want to hear, what they like to hear. Uh, and there are many people who will do just that. Maybe they'll reference a verse in scripture and then they'll jump from it and, and they'll just share whatever uh, thought they want to uh, share. Now, there's a time and a place uh, for most things. I think if the Lord gives a pastor, you know, a specific word for the congregation at a specific time, the pastor should deliver that word. Uh, And there's a time for uh, teaching in different ways and so on and so forth. But week by week, the word that God has for his church is right here in the pages of scripture. And if in the regular practice of the church, there is no Bible teaching, then there is something seriously wrong. Because the power and the authority does not lie in the preacher, it lies in the word of God. And that is so important. The power is in the word. And the job of the preacher, the job of the teacher is simply to deliver the word to the people. And if we take Paul's word seriously here, actually just notice in verse uh, 26, he said, I testify you to this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now at the very heart of the whole counsel of God, of course, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul had a clear conscience because he fully communicated the true gospel of Jesus Christ and how that works out practically in the lives of the people. But there is a serious warning here for those who claim to speak for God but do not declare the whole counsel of God. If Paul was innocent of the blood of all men because he did declare the counsel of God. Conversely, those who speak for God but do not proclaim the counsel of God are guilty of the blood of all men. And so that's a very, very serious thing indeed. And there are many, many people who will stand up in pulpits and churches and they will preach a gospel that is not the true gospel of Jesus. And that is as serious as it gets. Because if the church says to somebody, yes, you're right with God. When they haven't repented of their sin and they haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Then the church is condemning that person to hell. The church is doing that. And that is as serious as it gets. And so our commitment to the word of God has to be absolute. It is the word of God. It has the authority and it has the power. I don't have the authority to decide what to say and what not to say. All I can do is communicate to you what God has said. And that is what we endeavor to do. In James chapter 3 verse 1, there's a warning that's always in the back of my mind James says, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. (coughs) Very serious thing. Anyhow, moving on, verse 28. And so, he says, therefore, and he begins to give his direct instructions. And I'm going to try and sort of summarize these as we go through so we can get through uh, the text here. Four priorities for the church leaders here. Number one. They need to be right with God. Notice what he says, verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. It's the first thing. Before the leader does any leading, he must first take care of himself. His own heart, his own life before God. That word take heed means literally give full attention to. In other words, examine your own heart. Examine your own heart and life before the Lord. And this is always the priority of the leader in the church. And that is because spiritual ministry is not just an outward activity. We can all do activity. But really, spiritual ministry is an overflow of the spiritual reality in the life of the person. And the first step here is that of self-examination. Paul said the same thing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing so you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Paul charged Timothy to examine himself. The doctrine is important, but the first priority is your own heart before God. And not just outwardly in our actions, but inwardly in our hearts. Uh, Psalm 24 Uh, Verse 3 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Who will receive blessing from the Lord is the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. See, it begins with the heart before God. And this is not just for church leaders, by the way, of course. David's prayer in Psalm 139, where he prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, is a prayer that applies to each and every one of us. And that's a great way to start the day, incidentally, with that prayer of David. Examine your own heart before the Lord. If there is sin in your heart, confess it. Ask for the Lord's forgiveness. Get right before God. And then start your day knowing that you're moving out in the power uh, of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called you to do. So the first exhortation, be right with God. Secondly, it's to shepherd the flock. Church leaders are to shepherd the flock. Take a look again, verse 28. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so the first priority for spiritual leaders is to make sure their own life is in order before the Lord. The second priority, then, is the spiritual care of the flock, the flock of God. The word flock, of course, it's a, a, a reference to sheep, a flock of sheep. And it's a common metaphor in Scripture for the people of God. Uh, when the term shepherd and flock are used together, it's typically uh, used as a picture of the relationship between God and God. And his people. And it's an appropriate one because uh, sheep are helpless and timid animals. Sheep are useless on their own. They need a shepherd to take care of them, to lead them, to guide them, to feed them, to protect them. Uh, and that's like us and God. We need God. We're hopeless on our own. We need God's help. We need the hope that he gives, the strength, uh, the direction. And all the rest of it from God. And so in, in the Old Testament we often read as uh, of Israel as God's flock. And God uh, as the shepherd in the New Testament. The church is pictured as the flock. And Jesus as the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. And, and according to 1 Peter chapter 5, the first few verses. Uh, Peter uh, refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. And refers to the elders, the pastors of the church as being under shepherds having been given a stewardship from the chief shepherd now in other words God has one big flock and that flock is sort of divided up into lots of little flocks and according to verse uh, 28 the Holy Spirit raises up overseers to oversee those flocks and incidentally that's an interesting point uh, that he makes there, that the Holy Spirit had made them overseers. The Holy Spirit had made them. You don't appoint yourself to church ministry. It is a calling of God. It is a calling of God and a response to that calling. And then for the church, it's a recognition of that calling of God uh, upon a person's uh, life. Uh, the word shepherd in the verb form, to shepherd, it's where we get our English word Pastor. It's a general term, refers to the entire task uh, of the shepherd. So he's essentially saying, uh, elders, pastors, pastor the church. That's what you need to do. You need to pastor the church, shepherd the church. And uh, um, what does that involve? Well, shepherding in the first instance, the most important role of the shepherd is to feed the sheep. It's to feed the sheep. If the, feed don't get, if the sheep don't get fed, the sheep will grow weak, weary, and ultimately will die. You have to feed the sheep if you're a shepherd. The pastor in the church has to feed the flock. And what do you feed the flock? Uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, Jesus responding to the temptation to Satan, quoting Deuteronomy said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need bread physically food to sustain us physically but we need the word of God to sustain us spiritually the word of God is our spiritual food first Peter chapter 2 verse 2 desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby like a newborn baby As a newborn baby is helpless on his own and screams out recognizes their need for food so that they may receive nourishment and that they may grow so too We have desperate need for the word of God so that we may feed on it and that we may grow, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And so feeding the sheep, the word of God, is really the central task of the pastor. But that's sort of like in a positive sense. There's also a negative aspect to it. Feed the sheep and protect the sheep. Because notice what he said in verse uh, 31. After my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. And so it's not just enough for the shepherd to feed the sheep. The shepherd must also protect the sheep from wolves that would come in to devour the sheep. A healthy, well-fed, fat sheep is not really much good if it's a dead sheep. And so feed the sheep, protect the sheep. That's the instruction. That's the exhortation. And the protection needs to be from wolves coming from the outside and wolves coming from within. This is a very serious matter. Firstly, in verse 29, he says, savage wolves will come in among you from the outside. Paul uses this and uh, draws on the metaphor of Jesus uh, as well in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7 to refer to those who come in with false doctrine and false motives. And Jesus said they come in like sheep. They dress up as sheep, wear sheep's clothing. They just look like a, look like a sheep, like one of us. But really, inwardly, they're actually wolves. And they've come in to devour and to disrupt and, and to divide and to try and draw people away uh, from the truth. And it's a very dangerous thing. And it's something we can expect and Paul knew it would happen because wherever the word of God is proclaimed, wherever the truth of God is declared, Satan will come in to oppose. And this is a very serious matter because such people are a very serious danger to the sheep. And that's an important part of the ministry of the pastor. It's to keep an eye out for these savage wolves that come in oftentimes with sheep's clothing, with motives that are wrong, with teaching that is false, with the goal of drawing people away from the truth. It's a very serious thing, particularly in the culture in which we live, in which there are many people who are twisting the scriptures. Many people being influenced by the worldly culture around. And it can be very subtle. And oftentimes, The most subtle is those from within, because you notice, he says in verse 30, even from among yourselves men will rise up. Now get that picture. Here's the group of elders, and he's basically saying, you know, some of you are wolves in sheep's clothing. I can imagine you probably would have created a bit of a tense atmosphere there. But there is precedent, of course, for that among the disciples of Jesus. You remember the wolves from outside during Jesus' ministry would have been the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the false teachers. They were easy to spot. I mean, they taught false doctrine. You you could spot them a mile off. But no one spotted Judas. Judas was there for three years. Nobody noticed. Nobody knew that he was the betrayer of Jesus. Nobody knew he was going to sell out Jesus. Hang on a second, that's Judas. He's the one who looks after the money. He must be fine. We've known him for three years. He must be a good guy. He says the right things. You know, he looks like a disciple of Jesus. Not Judas, but yes, Judas. And so we have to be careful. We have to be on our guard against these kinds of things for the health uh, of the church, for the protection uh, of the sheep. People come in speaking perverse things, seeking to draw disciples after themselves, away from the truth, away from the Lord after themselves it's a very serious thing and so paul is urging them notice at the end of verse 31 i did not cease to warn you all the time i was with you with tears such was paul's concern for the people of god that they wouldn't get led astray by these and devoured by these ravenous wolves he's urging the church leaders be on guard watch look out protect the sheep protect the sheep And this is all important, by the way, of course, because the church is the church of God, verse 28. The church that he purchased with his own blood. In other words, pastor, take care of the sheep because they do not belong to you. They belong to God. You didn't purchase them. God purchased them with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The sheep belong to the Lord. And the pastoral ministry is a stewardship from God. We are assistant shepherds to the chief shepherd. Who have been given a stewardship to look after God's people. And therefore. Understanding that. That this is a stewardship from God. That the people belong to God. And have to be led according to the word of God. So, so. Uh, important and so very quickly the third thing we see here the first instruction take heed to yourself first of all be right with God secondly shepherd the flock of God feed the sheep protect the sheep thirdly we'd say the elders they needed to study and pray notice verse 32 so now brethren he says if you're going to feed the uh, sheep and if you're going to be able to recognize the wolves when they come in I commend you to God and the word of his grace because it is God and the word of his grace who is going to be able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. If, something is, if anything is going to see you through the difficult times, when these wolves come in, if anything is going to see you through these difficult times, you need to be trusting in God and you need to be walking in obedience to his word. You need to be depending on God. That really speaks of prayer. You know, prayer is so, so important Because prayer is our expression of dependence upon God. Prayer says, God, I can't, but God, you can. And we are totally dependent upon God for everything all of the time. For all of us. And so we need to pray. We need to be looking unto God to help us, recognizing our own inadequacy and looking for the power that God supplies. And also the word of his grace. We need his word. His word reveals his will and purpose to us for his church. And it is through God's word that we grow in the knowledge of God and his will and his grace. And so Paul is basically saying, leaders, you need to commit yourselves to God and to his word, to prayer and to the word. Uh, And this is really the heart of the ministry of the church leader. A, A church leader needs to be committed to the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word in order to be an effective shepherd for the people the final point and i know we're running over but we're going to finish it here and that is if we're to be right with god shepherd the flock of god you need to study the word of god and pray to god and number four simply be focused on giving rather than getting notice verse 34 or verse 33 rather i have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel yes you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me i have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak you see paul's heart for the people paul wasn't in the ministry for what he could get he was in the ministry to give he was in the ministry to be a blessing to others And notice he said, verse 35, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Interesting. These are the only words of Jesus recorded outside of the Gospels. Now, we know Jesus said many things that are not recorded in the Gospels. He did and said many things, John told us at the end of his Gospel, that are not recorded uh, in the Gospels. But this is a really wonderful uh, and important quote from Jesus it is more blessed to give uh, than to receive and it gives us uh, a, a very important principle for Christian life and ministry now of course it's blessed to receive we all like receiving I like to receive and we do need to receive but Jesus said it is more blessed to give the greater blessing is in giving and this is a challenging point Because oftentimes when we struggle in our circumstances and life gets hard, we have a tendency to withdraw from people and to focus on ourselves. And that's natural and we all do it. And then we wonder why we're struggling. And we, oh Lord, help me. Lord, I need your help. I need your grace. I need your blessing. And so often the key to that and i know this is a hard thing to do and this is a serious thing to say but so often the key to dealing with our own struggles is to take our eyes off ourselves to turn our eyes to the lord and start giving and serving others jesus promises a blessing in giving and if that is true And we believe it. If I'm struggling, I need God's blessing. And if it is more blessed to give than to receive, then I need to give. I need to find a way that I can give, where I can be a blessing to others, where I can help other people. Because in that giving comes the blessing. And so oftentimes it is the very blessing that we need in the midst of difficult circumstances. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so with that, when he had said these things, verse 36, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all wept freely, very emotional scene here. And they all fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words that he spoke, that they would see his face no more. Uh, And they so wanted to spend every last minute with him that they accompanied him on the walk to the ship uh, and no doubt waved him off as he sailed on toward Jerusalem. And that's where we'll pick it up next time father we thank you for your word to us today lord i just pray lord for a special blessing of your grace upon all those here this morning that are in need lord if there is sin in our hearts that needs to be confessed lord i just pray lord that we would come to you with humble hearts to acknowledge our sin to receive forgiveness and cleansing And to leave leave that sin and the weight of it behind us so that we can move on in the freedom and in the power of your spirit. And Father, Lord, if there's anyone struggling with circumstances here this morning, Lord, and maybe the temptation has been strong to just turn inward and withdraw. Father, I pray by your spirit that you would give them the power, Lord, to give. And that in that giving, that you would give them the blessing that they so desperately need. Lord, I know these are difficult things and we need your help. We need your help so desperately. So Lord, by your spirit, would you help each and every one of us to leave this place. Lord, renewed. Lord, in our desire to serve and to honor you with our lives. Help us to do that, we pray this week, both as a church and before the world, and that we may do so for your glory. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.